The 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits the United States and its states from denying the right to vote to citizens of the United States on the basis of sex, in effect recognizing the right of women to a vote. The amendment was the culmination of a decades-long movement for women's suffrage in the United States, at both the state and national levels, and was part of the worldwide movement towards women's suffrage and part of the wider women's rights movement. The first women's suffrage amendment was introduced in Congress in 1878. However, a suffrage amendment did not pass the House of Representatives until May 21, 1919, which was quickly followed by the Senate, on June 4, 1919. It was then submitted to the states for ratification, achieving the requisite 36 ratifications to secure adoption, and thereby go into effect, on August 18, 1920. The 19th Amendment's adoption was certified on August 26, 1920. Before 1776, women had a vote in several of the colonies in what would become the United States, but by 1807 every state constitution had denied women even limited suffrage. Organizations supporting women's rights became more active in the mid-19th century and, in 1848, the Seneca Falls Convention adopted the Declaration of Sentiments, which called for equality between the sexes and included a resolution urging women to secure the vote. Pro-suffrage organizations used a variety of tactics including legal arguments that relied on existing amendments. After those arguments were struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court, suffrage organizations, with activists like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, called for a new constitutional amendment guaranteeing women the same right to vote possessed by men. By the late 19th century, new states and territories, particularly in the West, began to grant women the right to vote. In 1878, a suffrage proposal that would eventually become the 19th Amendment was introduced to Congress, but was rejected in 1887. In the 1890s, suffrage organizations focused on a national amendment while still working at state and local levels. Lucy Burns and Alice Paul emerged as important leaders whose different strategies helped move the 19th Amendment forward. Entry of the United States into World War I helped to shift public perception of women's suffrage. The National American Woman Suffrage Association, led by Carrie Chapman Catt, supported the war effort, making the case that women should be rewarded with enfranchisement for their patriotic wartime service. The National Woman's Party staged marches, demonstrations, and hunger strikes while pointing out the contradictions of fighting abroad for democracy while limiting it at home by denying women the right to vote. The work of both organizations swayed public opinion, prompting President Wilson to announce his support of the suffrage amendment in 1918. It passed in 1919 and was adopted in 1920. Withstanding two legal challenges, Laissez v. Garnet and Fairchild v. Hughes. The 19th Amendment enfranchised 26 million American women in time for the 1920 U.S. presidential election, but the powerful women's voting bloc that many politicians feared failed to fully materialize until decades later. Additionally, the 19th Amendment failed to fully enfranchise African American, Asian American, Hispanic American, and Native American women. See section limitations. Shortly after the amendment's adoption, Alice Paul and the National Woman's Party began work on the Equal Rights Amendment, which they believed was a necessary additional step towards equality. Text. The 19th Amendment provides. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Background. Early woman suffrage efforts, 1776-1865. The United States Constitution adopted in 1789, left the boundaries of suffrage undefined. The only directly elected body created under the original Constitution was the U.S. House of Representatives, for which voter qualifications were explicitly delegated to the individual states. 
while women had the right to vote in several of the pre-revolutionary colonies in what would become the United States, after 1776, with the exception of New Jersey, all states adopted constitutions that denied voting rights to women. New Jersey's constitution initially granted suffrage to property-holding residents, including single and married women, but the state rescinded women's voting rights in 1807 and did not restore them until New Jersey ratified the 19th Amendment in 1920. While scattered movements and organizations dedicated to women's rights existed previously, the 1848 Seneca Falls Convention in New York is traditionally held as the start of the American women's rights movement. Attended by nearly 300 women and men, the convention was designed to discuss the social, civil, and religious rights of women, and culminated in the adoption of the Declaration of Sentiments. Signed by 68 women and 32 men, the ninth of the document's 12 resolved clauses reads, Resolved, that it is the duty of the women of this country to secure to themselves their sacred right to the elective franchise. Conveners Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton became key early leaders in the U.S. women's suffrage movement, often referred to at the time as the woman suffrage movement. Mott's support of women's suffrage stemmed from a summer spent with the Seneca Nation, one of the six tribes in the Iroquois Confederacy where women had significant political power, including the right to choose and remove chiefs and veto acts of war. Activism addressing federal women's suffrage was minimal during the Civil War. In 1865, at the conclusion of the war, a petition for universal suffrage, signed by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, among others, called for a national constitutional amendment to prohibit the several states from disenfranchising any of their citizens on the ground of sex. The campaign was the first national petition drive to feature women's suffrage among its demands. While suffrage bills were introduced into many state legislatures during this period, they were generally disregarded and few came to a vote. Reconstruction Amendments and Woman Suffrage, 1865-1877 The women's suffrage movement, delayed by the American Civil War, resumed activities during the Reconstruction era, 1865-1877. Two rival suffrage organizations formed in 1869, the National Woman Suffrage Association NWSA, led by suffrage leaders Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, and the American Woman Suffrage Association AWSA, led by Lucy Stone. The NWSA's main effort was lobbying Congress for a women's suffrage amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The ASA generally focused on a long-term effort of state campaigns to achieve women's suffrage on a state-by-state -state basis. During the Reconstruction era, Women's rights leaders advocated for inclusion of universal suffrage as a civil right in the Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Some unsuccessfully argued that the 15th Amendment, which prohibited denying voting rights on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude, implied suffrage for women. Despite their efforts, these amendments did not enfranchise women. Section 2 of the 14th Amendment explicitly discriminated between men and women by only penalizing states which deprived adult male citizens of the vote. The NWSA attempted several unsuccessful court challenges in the mid-1870s. Their legal argument, known as the New Departure Strategy, contended that the 14th Amendment, granting universal citizenship, and 15th Amendment, granting the vote irrespective of race, together guaranteed voting rights to women. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected this argument. In Bradwell v. Illinois the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Supreme Court of Illinois' refusal to grant Myra Bradwell a license to practice law was not a violation of the U.S. Constitution and refused to extend federal authority in support of women's citizenship rights. In Minor v. Happersett the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Privileges or Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment did not provide voting rights to U.S. citizens, it only guaranteed additional protection of privileges to citizens who already had them. 
If a state constitution limited suffrage to male citizens of the United States, then women in that state did not have voting rights. After U.S. Supreme Court decisions between 1873 and 1875 denied voting rights to women in connection with the 14th and 15th Amendments, suffrage groups shifted their efforts to advocating for a new constitutional amendment. Continued settlement of the Western frontier, along with the establishment of territorial constitutions, allowed the women's suffrage issue to be raised as the Western territories progressed toward statehood. Through the activism of suffrage organizations and independent political parties, women's suffrage was included in the constitutions of Wyoming Territory, 1869, and Utah Territory, 1870. Women's suffrage in Utah was revoked in 1887, when Congress passed the Edmonds-Tucker Act in 1887 that also prohibited polygamy, it was not restored in Utah until it achieved statehood in 1896. Post-Reconstruction, 1878-1910 Existing state legislatures in the West, as well as those east of the Mississippi River, began to consider suffrage bills in the 1870s and 1880s. Several held voter referendums, but they were unsuccessful until the suffrage movement was revived in the 1890s. Full women's suffrage continued in Wyoming after it became a state in 1890. Colorado granted partial voting rights that allowed women to vote in school board elections in 1893 and Idaho granted women's suffrage in 1896. Beginning with Washington in 1910, seven more western states passed women's suffrage legislation, including California in 1911, Oregon, Arizona, and Kansas in 1912, Alaska Territory in 1913, and Montana and Nevada in 1914. All states that were successful in securing full voting rights for women before 1920 were located in the West. A federal amendment intended to grant women the right to vote was introduced in the U.S. Senate for the first time in 1878 by Aaron Sargent a senator from California who was a women's suffrage advocate. Stanton and other women testified before the Senate in support of the amendment. The proposal sat in a committee until it was considered by the full Senate and rejected in a 16-34 vote in 1887. An amendment proposed in 1888 in the U.S. House of Representatives called for limited suffrage for women who were spinsters or widows who owned property. By the 1890s, suffrage leaders began to recognize the need to broaden their base of support to achieve success in passing suffrage legislation at the national, state, and local levels. While Western women, state suffrage organizations, and the ASA concentrated on securing women's voting rights for specific states, efforts at the national level persisted through a strategy of congressional testimony, petitioning, and lobbying. After the ASA and NWSA merged in 1890 to form the National American Woman Suffrage Association, NASA, the group directed its efforts to win state-level support for suffrage. Suffragists had to campaign publicly for the vote in order to convince male voters, state legislators, and members of Congress that American women wanted to be enfranchised and that women voters would benefit American society. Suffrage supporters also had to convince American women, many of whom were indifferent to the issue, that suffrage was something they wanted. Apathy among women was an ongoing obstacle that the suffragists had to overcome through organized grassroots efforts. Despite the suffragists' efforts, no state granted women's suffrage between 1896 and 1910, and the NASA shifted its focus toward passage of a national constitutional amendment. Suffragists also continued to press for the right to vote in individual states and territories while retaining the goal of federal recognition. African-American woman suffrage efforts Thousands of African-American women were active in the suffrage movement, addressing issues of race, gender, and class, as well as enfranchisement often through the church but eventually through organizations devoted to specific causes. 
while white women sought the vote to gain an equal voice in the political process, African American women often sought the vote as a means of racial uplift and as a way to effect change in the post-Reconstruction era. Notable African American suffragists such as Mary Church Terrell, Sojourner Truth, Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, Fanny Barrier Williams, and Ida B. Wells Barnett advocated for suffrage in tandem with civil rights for African Americans. As early as 1866, in Philadelphia, Margareta Forden and Harriet Forden Purvis helped to found the Philadelphia Suffrage Association. Purvis would go on to serve on the executive committee of the American Equal Rights Association AERA, an organization that supported suffrage for women and for African American men. A national movement in support of suffrage for African American women began in earnest with the rise of the Black Women's Club movement. In 1896, club women belonging to various organizations promoting women's suffrage met in Washington, D.C to form the National Association of Colored Women, of which Frances E. Harper, Josephine St. Pierre, Harriet Tubman, and Ida B. Wells Barnett were founding members. Led by Mary Church Terrell, it was the largest federation of African-American women's clubs in the nation. After 1914 it became the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. When the 15th Amendment enfranchised African-American men, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony abandoned the era, which supported universal suffrage to found the National Woman Suffrage Association in 1869, saying black men should not receive the vote before white women. In response, African-American suffragist Frances Ellen Watkins Harper and others joined the American Woman Suffrage Association, which supported suffrage for women and for black men. Mary Ann Chad Carey, the second African-American woman to receive a degree from Howard University Law School, joined the National Woman Suffrage Association in 1878 when she delivered their convention's keynote address. Tensions between African-American and white suffragists persisted, even after the NWSA and OSS emerged to form the National American Woman's Suffrage Association in 1890. By the early 1900s, white suffragists often adopted strategies designed to appease the southern states at the expense of African-American women. At conventions in 1901 and 1903, in Atlanta and New Orleans, NASA prevented African-Americans from attending. At the 1911 National NASA Conference, Martha Greening asked the organization to formally denounce white supremacy. NASA President Anna Howard Shore refused, saying she was in favor of colored people voting, but did not want to alienate others in the suffrage movement. Even NASA's more radical congressional committee, which would become the National Woman's Party, failed African-American women, most visibly by refusing to allow them to march in the nation's first suffrage parade in Washington, D.C., while the NASA directed Paul Nod to exclude African-American participants. 72 hours before the parade African-American women were directed to the back of the parade, Ida B. Wells defied these instructions and joined the Illinois unit, prompting telegrams of support. Mary B. Talbert, a leader in both the Nequin NAACP, and Nanny Helen Burroughs, an educator and activist, contributed to an issue of the crisis, published by W.E.B. Dubois in August 1915. They wrote passionately about African-American women's need for the vote. Burroughs, asked what women could do with the ballot responded pointedly, what can she do without it? Proposal and ratification. A new focus on a federal amendment. In 1900, Carrie Chapman Catt succeeded Susan B. Anthony as the president of the National American Woman Suffrage Association. Catt revitalized NASA, turning the focus of the organization to the passage of the federal amendment while simultaneously supporting women who wanted to pressure their states to pass suffrage legislation. The strategy, which she later called the winning plan, had several goals women in states that had already granted presidential suffrage, the right to vote for the president, would focus on passing a federal suffrage amendment, 
women who believed they could influence their state legislatures would focus on amending their state constitutions and southern states would focus on gaining primary suffrage, the right to vote in state primaries. Simultaneously, the NASA worked to elect congressmen who supported suffrage for women. By 1915, NASA was a large, powerful organization, with 44 state chapters and more than 2 million members. In a break with NASA, Alice Paul and Lucy Burns founded the Congressional Union for Women's Suffrage in 1913 to pressure the federal government to take legislative action. One of their first acts was to organize a women's suffrage parade in Washington, D.C., on March 3, 1913, the day before Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. The procession of more than 5,000 participants, the first of its kind, attracted a crowd of an estimated 500,000, as well as national media attention, but Wilson took no immediate action. In March 1917, the Congressional Union joined with the Women's Party of Western Voters to form the National Woman's Party NWP, whose aggressive tactics included staging more radical acts of civil disobedience and controversial demonstrations to draw more attention to the women's suffrage issue. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.